Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Um, I think I've said everything, and it's my absolute delight to be welcoming Jake to the stage to carry on our series. The young people, I didn't know if they've gone or not gone, no. Amy's taking them. Young people, follow Amy. <laughs> Let them... Am I on? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. So, over the last ten weeks, we've been looking at spirit-led living. We've been on this journey looking at that. And over the last four weeks, we've been focusing, on particular, on learning to listen. And I just want to give a little encouragement about that over the last four weeks, about what we've been doing. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we uh, gave time at the end of the uh, sermon to just wait for God and listen to his voice. And I brought the youth back in for that. And and we did something fairly similar in youth. We were talking about how to hear God's voice, what God's voice sounds like. And we brought them through uh, to uh, listen to God together as we did that as a church family. And it was just really encouraging to see one uh, girl for the first time heard the voice of God and had a prophecy for someone else in the church. And another another one of our young people had um, someone give a word over her and then the, uh, the young people got round her and prayed for her. And it was just really good to see us all as a church family doing that together of all ages, listening to God and yeah, knowing what it is to hear God's voice together. So yeah, that's just something that I found really exciting over the last few weeks. Uh, but, but we're coming on to the, the fifth of this 10-week journey, the fifth week, and we're moving on to uh, focusing on expect to be used. Expect to be used. And I don't know if you have someone in your life who always seems to be being used by God, Someone in your life who you look at and they always uh, seem to be speaking into someone's life. They always have a prophecy to give. They've always got stories of healings. They've always got things to tell you about what God is doing through them. And if you're anything like me, you see them do this and you're like, this is really exciting that God's using you. But there's a slight bit inside of you that's like, why is God not using me like he's using that person? Why is it that I don't have all these stories to tell people about God moving in my life? And I've got one of those friends, um, my friend called Ben. And me and Ben, a couple of years ago, um, both went off to do a gap year. He spent a year, uh, did a year at a church called Soul Survivor in Watford. And we got back together after a year of, um, a year of being apart. And we decided that we were going to catch up together. And where better to catch up for two 19-year-olds who hadn't seen each other than McDonald's. So we got together at McDonald's. We had a milkshake. And God made it clear to me in this moment why it is that my friend Ben is constantly being used by God. And I was getting frustrated that God wasn't using me the same amount. So we got to McDonald's and we were sat at this table And I was telling him all about my year, and I thought it was super interesting. 
I was telling him all the different things I'd done in my gap year. And I just noticed he wasn't listening to a word that I was saying. He was completely ignoring me. And I just go, Ben, what's going on? Why are you ignoring me? Is it like, am I really that boring? And he, he turns to me and he says, I feel God's got a word for the, for the guy behind the till at McDonald's. <laughs> and my reaction at that point is classic Ben. He's trying to prove to me after his year at Catch the Fire that he's so much more spiritual than me. He's trying to prove a point and he's going to go and do his stuff and make me look like an absolute idiot. So he walks up to the till at the guy at McDonald's and he says, hey, mate, I'm a Christian and I feel like God speaks to me. And God, um, I feel like God's given me a word for you. Do you mind if you come over to our table and I can share this with you? And genuinely, I, as he went over, I was like, this guy's going to laugh in your face and walk away. But what happened is those two started walking towards me. And at that point, I'm slipping down so far in my chair that I'm basically <laughs> hiding under the table. But he walks towards me, and this guy, um, who's on shift at this point at McDonald's, comes in with Ben and joins me at the table. And it starts, starts a little bit awkward. But Ben says to this guy, he says, I feel like God wanted me to share this word with you and gives this profound prophecy to this guy about his life, about his family life growing up and about how God knew where he'd been and God knew who he was. And we ended up, the two of us, me and Ben, praying for this guy together and then sending him off as someone who knows that God knows who he is. And I went to bed that night and I was in bed and I was reflecting on it and I was like, I was so embarrassed of my mate Ben. I was so awkward that my mate Ben would be willing to give a word to someone he doesn't know. And I was genuinely slipping down my chair to hide from what was going on. And then God said this to me. God said, the reason that Ben is constantly being used by God is because Ben is constantly open to being used by God. The reason that God seems to constantly be using him is because he is constantly open to being used by God. Ben was available and he was listening, whereas I just wanted my Big Mac. I just wanted to catch up. I wanted to tell him about my stuff and then I wanted to go. And throughout Acts, throughout Acts, we see these amazing stories of followers of Jesus constantly looking for opportunities to share their faith with others. I love Acts 2. Acts 2 is one of the most amazing parts of the Bible. In Acts 2, all the believers, all the believers of Jesus, all the followers of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all come together. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they start speaking in these weird languages. And they're speaking in these languages. And people are walking past that don't know who they are. And they're like, is that my native language? Can I hear my language? And they start to, different people walking past, start to hear their own language. And they're saying, what's going on? They don't speak my language. Why are they speaking my language right now? And then some people who who aren't hearing their own language are saying, what is this garbage that these spirit-filled sermon by uh, a follower of Jesus starts by saying, no, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. 
a great way to start spirit-filled sermons. And then it says at the end of Acts 2 that many miracles and wonders were being done through the apostles and everyone was filled with awe. And every day the Lord added to the number of those saved. Acts 2 set the framework for the disciples' lives, for the followers of Jesus' lives. The framework was that through the Holy Spirit inside of them, people would be added to those who were saved. That through the Spirit working in them, through the miracles and wonders that they were doing, through that Spirit, people were being saved and added to followers of Jesus. And we're going to look a little bit at Acts 3, the chapter after uh, what I'm just talking about this morning. And in Acts 3, Peter and John are on the way to the temple to pray. And they come across this lame beggar, this beggar who was sat under a gate called Beautiful. And the gate's called Beautiful because it's made of gold and silver. And this man is placed there to beg. So we're going to pick up um, from the story at Acts 3, verse 4 to 8. So if you've got your Bibles on you um, or your phone to get it up, but also hopefully, oh, lovely, it will go up there. And we're just going to pick up on the reaction that Peter and Jonathan give to this lame beggar. So Acts 3, verse 4, says this, verse 4 to 8. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. So there was a lame man sat by this gate made of gold and silver that must have felt absolutely worthless. Every day it says in scripture that he had to be carried to this spot because he could not get there himself. He had to be carried to this spot so that he could just sit there all day and beg for the passers-by to give him petty cash, give him enough to get by. And ironically, he sat under this gold and silver beautiful gate as he's asking just for enough to live. But verse 5 says this. Verse 5 says that the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. As Peter and John gave the lame man um, their attention, the lame man expected to get something from him. But the expectation was very low. The expectation was that they'd get enough to get by. I mean, why else would they have any other kind of expectation? Why would the lame man expect anything other than to be ignored? Other than to, if he's really lucky, to get a little bit of cash to get enough to get by. The lame beggar had lost all hope. He was used to being ignored and his best hope was a little bit of food or money. 
we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the uh, woman at the well. And when Jesus said to the woman that I will give you living water, the woman could only see earthly things, said, well, where's your bucket? How are you going to get me water without a bucket? And it's the same kind of expectation that the lame man has right now. Can only see what Peter and John can give them, can give the lame man so that he can survive. He can only expect food or money. But Peter didn't, Peter and Jonathan don't have any money. They're no help to me. But Peter knew that without food or money, God could use him to change this man's life. He didn't carry anything of earthly value to give this man. But what he did carry was the Holy Spirit inside of him. And that, he had an expectation that because of that Holy Spirit, this man could be restored, this man could be healed, and this man could be given life in the name of Jesus that lived inside of him. Peter understood the power of what he carried, the power of having Jesus inside of him. He knew that through this power, this lame man could go from hopelessness, brokenness, and invisibility to being full of hope, being healed, and knowing that the creator cares for him. And it says that this man led others to worship God when they saw him. Peter understood the power that was within him, the power of God that lived in him. And if I told you today that the spirit of Lionel Messi, possibly the greatest footballer that's ever lived, if the spirit of Messi lived inside of you, next time you played football, you'd expect to be at least better than you are right now at football, (laughs) if you had the spirit of Lionel Messi inside of you. And Peter believed that because he had the the spirit of Jesus inside of him, that he could do the things that Jesus did, that he could be a healer, that he could, be, he could restore lives, that he could prophesy over people, because inside of him lived the spirit of Jesus who did all of those things. But the thing is, sometimes we can read stories like this, and it just makes us feel a bit insufficient. It makes us think, Okay, but I can't do that myself. Sometimes we read this and just expect that it was easy for people like Peter to offer healing to this lame man. The Bible doesn't explain to us Peter's thought process as he approached this man. The Bible doesn't say to us, Peter walked up and was shaking with fear as he saw this man. We, we have no idea what Peter's confidence was like in that moment. And so often we just read these these pieces of scripture and we just presume that this was easy for Peter because that we get the facts. We just presume that it was easy. But Peter had just been made head of the church. He'd just been made head of the church. And my suggestion is that he was approaching this with in the back of his mind thinking, if the first healing that I do in the name of Jesus. If this guy isn't healed, then people are going to start thinking, why has he been given head of the church? Why has he been given this role? But he made himself available. He made himself available and he expected that God would use him to heal. And that led to a changed life and a testimony to everyone 
who sees the man who was lame and now is free. And it's also easy to read this and just think, yeah, great. But this is just a story in the Bible. This is just Peter. I mean, Peter was the head of the church. Peter walked on water. Peter spent time with Jesus. It was easy for him to have that kind of confidence that Jesus was going to use him to heal. And sometimes we can do that with other people as well, with people that we know. We think, yeah, but they're particularly gifted in that area. You know, healing are for the super spiritual people or prophesying over someone and changing people's lives. No, that's just for these people over here. I'm well over here. And sometimes we can do that. We can pass that on to other people and see other people doing it and just think, well, that's great for them, but it's not for me. I'm too broken. I have, don't have enough confidence for this kind of thing. It's not really me. It's them. And many, many of you guys know that I, I spent this year um, at Soul Survivor traveling with um, the pastor there, Mike, at different conferences that he was talking at. And it was so strange how people would treat Mike. I found it so weird. We'd go into these different countries, these different conferences where Mike was speaking, and he was treated as if he was so different from everyone else, as if he had this special connection with God that no one else had, as if he had a different spirit inside of him than the rest of us. And sometimes after he'd spoken at a... a, at a conference, he would genuinely have hundreds of people queuing up so that Mike would pray for him for them after the service. And Mike used to get really annoyed with this. He used to say, he used to say to me, he said, I don't understand why they're coming to me with prayer, hundreds queuing up, when we're in a room full of people with the Holy Spirit inside of them. Why do they think that I, the spirit inside of me, is any different from the spirit inside of them? And he used to try to stitch me up by saying, oh, this guy over here, he's the one that you want to go to with prayer. So there'd be hundreds of people queuing up and I wouldn't get out for two hours. (laughs) But just like anyone else, just like I suggested with Peter that he may have felt a little bit nervous going into something like this. Just like anyone else, Mike, he found it scary doing stuff like this. He had doubts when he went to... Uh, pray for someone that he didn't know. He had doubts when he, when he heard God speak to him. But the difference with Mike is that he expected that God would use him. And he said, do you know what? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But if I'm being spoken to by Jesus, then I need to do it. And there's this, a couple of years ago, Mike had just launched, Mike and the team at Souls Five had just launched this uh, festival called Naturally Supernatural. And I was with Mike at the first ever um, conference of that. And he got everyone, um, all week he was teaching on basically what we're doing over these 10 weeks, at spirit-led living. And one, one evening, Mike was talking on hearing God's voice. He was talking on hearing God's voice, and he started talking, he started doing his sermon, and he just felt God say something to him as he was talking. He felt God say, there's this guy called Sam, and Sam wants to become a Christian. Invite him up to give his life to me. And Mike thought, oh, this is not the right time, God. I'm about to give a talk. I'm halfway through giving a talk on hearing God's voice. If I say this, 
and no one comes forward called Sam, then I look like an absolute idiot. If I say this and no one responds, then I'm going to, my credibility on talking, on hearing God's voice is completely out the window. So what Mike did is he, he ignored the word and he carried on with his, with his sermon. And he's like, well, well, maybe that's not God. He carries on with his talk on hearing God's voice. And then later on, God says to him, Mike, there's a guy called Sam. At 9am this morning, he told someone that if you gave him the opportunity to come forward and give his life to me, then he would. And Mike was like, why do you have to give me all that detail, God? <laughs> but what Mike, Mike ended up doing is he quite um, apologetically said, hey, guys, I j- I'm just going to stop where I am in my sermon. I, I just feel like God said something. And I feel like God wants a guy called Sam. Is there anyone called Sam at 9 a.m. this morning? Uh, felt like, um, said to someone that if, if they had the opportunity, they'd give their life to, to God. And he swears it was about three minutes until anyone came forward, but he was just scared. It was about 20 seconds. But this guy comes forward and he gives his life to God. And, and it was Mike in this place, in this place of fear, He was unsure and he was doubtful, but God used him in that place to bless Sam and to teach everyone in the room that God cared about that one person, that God would stop a meeting to get that one person to give his life to him. But it's so easy for us to see others do it, like people like Mike and anyone that's particularly good at... at, uh, leaning into these things, leaning into spirit-led living. It's so easy for us to see other people and just presume that they find it easy and think, well, if I struggle, that must be my fault. If I struggle, maybe I'm just not gifted for that sort of thing. And it's so easy to look at Peter and to think, well, it's so easy for him. But what is it that Peter said uh, in this healing? He said, silver or gold... I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Notice what Peter didn't say is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but also because I am head of the church and I have a pretty good, uh, a pretty good conversion rate and I have a pretty good rate of healing. So with all those things put together, Jesus in me, but also because I am the head of the church and and I'm pretty good at healing. From all those things, get up and walk. Peter knew that the only way this man was going to be healed was because he had the spirit of Jesus inside of him, and it was nothing to do with him and who he is. And in 2 Peter, it actually says that those who are followers of Jesus have a faith of equal standing to his own, a faith of equal standing to Peter. And it's made clear that Peter is no better than any other believer of God. Peter didn't heal this man because of his ability. Peter healed this man through Jesus because of his availability. My friend Ben is regularly being used by God, not because he's a super spiritual, better than anyone else Christian, but because he is constantly open to being used by God. And if you ever wanted confirmation that God can use you despite your lack of confidence, 
that God can use you despite your mistakes, that God can use you despite your doubts, your brokenness. It's found in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, which says this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. God's power is made perfect in our weakness because it means that we get out the way and let God lead. Being spirit-led is not about having things together. If we waited until we were ready, if we waited until we were sorted to be spirit-led, then we'd never do it. Being spirit-led is saying to God, use me, God. Being spirit-led is saying to God, you're better than me. You take the wheel. You take the steering wheel and I'll follow where you go. God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can partner with God in these things, so that we can be a part of what he is doing. And growing up, I used to see stories in the Old Testament of miracles. I used to see, uh, for example, Daniel in the lion's den. And I used to think, if only I saw someone go into the lion's den and not be touched by God, uh, not be touched by the lions, as long as it wasn't me going in the lion's den, if I just saw someone do that, then that would change my life forever. I would never doubt again. I would be I would be so on fire because I saw that miracle. I saw God move. That would be amazing. Or I thought, if only I saw Jesus and his miracles, if only I saw Jesus walk on water, then I'd never doubt again. It would be so simple. But when I longed to see the miracles of the Old Testament, and when I longed to see the miracles of Jesus, I had a complete wrong understanding of the Holy Spirit. Because in the Holy Spirit, We don't just see these miracles happen. God uses us to partake in what he is doing. In the Holy Spirit, we are a part of what God wants to do. We just need to be ready for him to use us. And we just need to be open for God to use us and available. And for Peter, the brokenness of the lame man that he walked past was obvious. He could see it. It was, seen, uh, it was seen visibly. But maybe God wants to use you, like he used my friend Ben, to speak into a situation that's not seen. Maybe God wants to use you um, to speak to someone about something that you cannot see, something inside. But it's so easy for us to let the busyness of life get in the way of us stopping and listening to God. It's so easy for the busyness of life to stop us expecting God to use us. Peter had an expectation that God will use him. He was available and he was expectant. How many times have I missed an opportunity of what God wanted me to do because all I wanted to do was have a Big Mac, catch up and leave? How many people could have been blessed by God if I had that expectation every day that God will use me to speak into someone's life. I'd love us to commit to something together this week. Um, Something really small, something, just a a little detail together. But I think it will have big consequences. 
I want us to commit together this week to each morning when we wake up, the first thing that we do before we get on with our day is say to God, use me today. Is say to God, let me be led by you. Use me however you want. And if we go through each day, starting by saying to God, use me, and then go through it expectantly, I believe that we will come back next week and we'll be telling each other so many stories of how God used us. Let's be available to him and let's expect God to move. Are we up for doing that this week? Yeah? Great. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are in us, that we have the spirit of Jesus inside of us if we follow you. And Lord, I pray that you help us to be more aware of your spirit, that you give us that expectancy that you will move through us. Father, I want to pray against any um, feeling of, of insufficiency, any feeling that it's not for me. I'm not confident enough for that. I'm not who God uses in those situations. Lord, I pray that you give us a fresh revelation that your, your grace is sufficient because your power is made perfect in our weakness. Lord, may that ring in our minds throughout this week, that it's not because of us that you use us, but it's because of the spirit that you've placed inside of us. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and you allow us to be your hands and feet in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.